Welcome, beautiful people, to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news from the week that was on the only podcast we will ever need. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Nintendo Gamescom 2020 opening night live. Before we get to that, a quick update on the Apple versus Fortnite fiasco that we've had to go through for the last few weeks. Apple has officially terminated Epic Games' App Store developer account. They um, put out a statement, quote, We are disappointed that we have had to terminate the Epic Games account on the App Store, Apple said in a statement to Bloomberg. We have worked with the team at Epic Games for many years on their launches and releases. The court recommended that Epic comply with the App Store guidelines while their case moves forward. Guidelines they followed for the past decade until they created this situation. Epic has refused. And um, what this basically means is that, you know, now Epic is, uh, as we've known for a little bit of time now, they are now no longer able to update Fortnite. And I think some of the other titles that they had released through Epic Games onto the App Store are no longer available to download. This does not affect third-party developers in terms of access to the Unreal Engine. I also don't think that it affects epic from updating the unreal engine these two things are um kind of separate and a court did decide that they are not granting epic relief or temporary relief in terms of forcing apple to keep fortnite on the app store or uh allow epic to update fortnite while this case is going on because the court felt that this was a situation that was created by epic which is 100 percent true i think the court made the right decision when it comes to that um but they did grant them relief or temporary relief in terms of not allowing apple to remove kind of epics their complete access to all developer tools in terms of upgrading unreal engine and i think the court agreed that that was a little bit too much that um, that should be kept completely separate from what is going on with fortnite and the situation that epic did create and it was something that apple did put in that statement in terms of saying quote guidelines they followed for the past decade until they created this situation and um I think Tim Sweeney responded and, you know, he sort of responded in this way of like, well, Apple didn't have to do this. And I sort of look at it. I was like, well, this is sort of what you guys wanted to happen. That's kind of the way that I look at all this is playing out is that none of this should be a surprise to Epic. The only surprise should have been when Apple was threatening what they threatened in terms of jeopardizing, you know, the Unreal Engine on mobile for example and you know when this news piece came out last week i think this is the the first time in the last few weeks that i strongly felt i was like man i just do not uh care at all <laughs> about this battle between these two companies i think that i really hope that epic has prepared themselves for the long haul as i said over the past two weeks on this show this is not something that will be solved you know by the end of the year for example this is something where epic it looks like they were ready for that fight and in order for them to do that it's literally you know tim sweeney kind of sitting down and saying this is the amount of money we're about to lose by taking on this fight. I think I had mentioned on the show two weeks ago, I think the iOS version of this game generates over 30 million in revenue, I think it is. And I think um, Epic and Tim Sweeney completely miscalculated how passionate fans were going to be about this removal. And it was something I spoke about last week, especially, or, or actually, no, two weeks ago when we first brought this up which was because especially because their player base is, is much younger than probably any other game that like you know call of duty player base for example uh all that anger in terms of the game being removed will start all those fingers will start to be pointed 
at Epic Games and this kind of war war of the words between these two companies, I think that those fans that relied on accessing this game on an Apple device and that being their only way to play the game, maybe they don't own a, a good PC, maybe they don't own any console game, uh, excuse me, any of the consoles, they're going to start pointing the finger at Epic and say, you guys need to comply with whatever you need to comply with because I, I need you to put this game back on and you know epic was banking on this whole new season with marvel and thor and all these people as maybe you know uh, pushing their fans a little bit more to you know pester apple into folding but there's just there's just no way apple was ever gonna fold to this type of situation it would just also set a bad precedent from apple and from what we've seen from this company we're talking about a trillion dollar company. They could care less if Fortnite ever returns to the Apple App Store. They just, honestly, they just do not care. It's just one game. And, you know, unless they have major threats from a bunch of these other companies, you know, Spotify, Netflix, Facebook, you know, all these companies come together, TikTok, and they start to you know threaten apple and say we're going to remove all of our apps away from the app store unless you guys lower that 30 percent take that's really the only way this is gonna be changed and then of course we're still waiting for what we're waiting from um in terms of what's happening in europe with the antitrust case but you know that's the latest update with apple versus fortnite i really hope that we i do not have to talk about this again for for quite some time as this court and his legal battle goes on but like i said i really hope that epic calculated these losses into their books for the next year two years maybe three years in terms of not having that game available on apple's system because this is not something that apple is going to fold on and i feel like if epic did not calculate taking those losses for the next years i think they they went 18 months without having um fortnite on the play store but there was also another avenue for getting it on your Android device. So if they're not thinking of at least going 18 months without putting it uh, with, with the game not being on an Apple device, I don't really understand why they even began this journey at all, to tell you the truth, because this is going to be a long, long fight. You know, there was another news piece that came out last week where uh, Facebook said that apple refused an update i think it was just to the regular facebook app i can't remember exactly what it was where facebook wanted people that were booking it was like cooking classes or something like that um when they went to go pay that 9.99 letting people know hey just so you know apple does take 30 percent of this and apple came up with this bs some some sort of BS terms of service thing where they were like uh, it was violating a guideline of not giving unnecessary or extra information, like some BS uh, response that they were trying to give. So, you know, it's obvious that Apple will do whatever it can and they will fight for as long as they can to continue taking that 30% take. And for something like that, you know, where Facebook has acknowledged that when you pay that $9.99 through Facebook, they take nothing out of it. But if you were to go through the iPhone, Apple takes 30%. And if we're talking about small companies, small businesses, uh, obviously, if you're doing if you're a business that's just doing cooking classes, for example, you're not a million dollar business and every penny counts. So to know that there are millions of iphone users out there knowing that every time someone books a class through an apple device they have to pay 30 percent and apple is refusing facebook uh from just kind of letting customers know that and letting customers make their own choice especially if that customer wants that company to get more of that money um you know it, it shows just how far apple has gone in terms of you know how locked down they want this system to be and how much control they really want to have um you know th there's not really much to talk about uh on on this week's show i was actually looking over 
kind of different websites, especially yesterday. And I felt like, man, there really wasn't much uh, to talk about. You know, Nintendo did drop a Nintendo Direct Mini last week uh, where they made a few announcements here and there. You know, the biggest announcement, I think, was like Puyo Puyo Tetris 2, I think it was. You know, there really wasn't kind of anything major about it. And I think when the Direct Mini kind of happened, the first thing that a lot of fans were asking themselves is, kind of what's going on for Nintendo why are they why are they being so quiet you know there were rumors uh in the beginning of the year especially when Summer Game Fest was first announced by Jeff Keighley which one was that like April May around there I think it was that we realized that Nintendo was not really going to be a part of it and then a lot of journalists and media kind of agreed that what they've heard is that Nintendo is not gonna do a traditional e3 show and they're just kind of just gonna make announcements here and there as they go along but even with that kind of precedent being put out there a lot of fans are just kind of curious in terms of why is nintendo being so quiet and i think the big mistake that nintendo the only mistake that nintendo has made in terms of um how this year is going is that i think it's okay as a company to to be quiet put your head down get to work especially with what's happening right now with covid19 but i think nintendo should have been a little bit more not a little bit they should have been more transparent in terms of setting expectations especially given how feverish their fans are for directs and unexpected information and things like that and surprises and you know, uh, obviously the Nintendo Directs are very, very popular, but I think kind of, I think back to what that, that, that Metroid Prime announcement, something that I always go back to, because it's, it's not something that we regularly see from companies, companies kind of being very open, being very honest about uh, a title that they announce and, and having to cancel that title or not cancel it, but having to restart development on that title and then having to kind of go out there and tell the fans that, hey, this is what's happening. I kind of felt that that was, I thought that was a turning point for Nintendo because they've been so great at being transparent with fans. I wish they would have kept up with that. And even if it was something as simple as like, a quick video from Doug Bowser, for example, or even a tweet from Doug Bowser. I don't even think it's something that has to come straight from uh, Nintendo uh, of Japan or Nintendo of America. Um, but but some sort of news in terms of, hey, we, 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 we know you guys really want to hear what we're working on. And just kind of being very honest in terms of the impact that COVID-19 has had on you know development of different titles and just kind of let gamers know like look we there's still stuff coming around the corner we do have some announcements to make but we're just not ready to talk about them right now and that's kind of it looks like where we're heading in terms of uh, nintendo there were rumors that there was going to be a direct this month oh, excuse me not this month we're about to hit september starting tomorrow but for the month of september there's been rumors that there was going to be a direct and probably i mean there's just no doubt that nintendo has to do a direct uh either september or october in order to prepare themselves for their holiday season i mean this is going to be a really really important season for for nintendo switch this is probably going to be their biggest holiday season um and it's probably going to be really really strong because even though we have these two next generation consoles launching neither of them is going to be able to touch the nintendo switch in terms of sales i just don't think it's possible especially with the nintendo switch being 300 uh dollars and a 200 with the uh, uh the light it, it's just going to be a little bit tough to, to to touch that this holiday season and uh bloomberg reported that nintendo is planning to release an upgraded model of its switch console in 2021 and while it doesn't go into specifics uh, they add, quote, the Kyoto-based company has looked into including more computing power and 4K high-definition graphics. Now, a an upgraded model of the Switch console is something we've been hearing about since, uh, I think, the beginning of 2019. End of 2018 was when we first heard about Nintendo working on two different models, which one of them we already know uh, has been released, which is the light, and then an upgraded 
model of the Nintendo Switch, which some people speculated would be a home console only, much more powerful, which I've said before, absolutely not. There's just no way Nintendo would ever do anything like that. Um, even with this news is coming out, I still stick to to what um, I've been theorizing since the beginning of this year, which is that if Nintendo does create another Switch, it would just be a replacement for the Nintendo Switch. So even if there's an upgraded model, I don't think that we'll ever see three different Switches on store shelves at the same time. I think Nintendo learned a lesson when they made that mistake with the DS, where at one point there was a 2DS, the 3DS, and the 3DS XL. I think they really learned their lesson because that really did not work. And you notice how quickly the 3DS started to be phased out and then eventually the XL. And I think the 2DS is kind of the, or the 2DS XL, I think it is, uh, is the last one that's left on the market currently before all of that is just going to be completely phased out at some point. But I just don't see them doing, you know, a Nintendo Switch Pro, for example, and having all three of these consoles on the market at the same time. I think it would be much smarter to phase out the Nintendo Switch as we know it right now. Uh, you know, maybe even lower the price to two forty nine in order to get rid of that sock, and then launch uh just an upgraded model at two ninety nine ninety nine instead of doing you know whatever it would be Nintendo new Nintendo Switch or Nintendo Switch Pro for example. I'd like to think that Nintendo learned their lesson, and uh, you know, in terms of upgrades, in terms of what a new system can look like. Once again, I'll just stick to what my theory has been since uh, late last year, early this year, which is I think the best thing the Switch could do is create a model that can push Nintendo Switch forward in terms of creating experiences that are solely unique to Nintendo Switch um, while not abandoning... uh, the market that they've already created for Nintendo Switch and all the games are already out there. So, you know, I've been talking a lot about, you know, whatever the next Nintendo Switch is, one thing it must have is is uh, access to, to uh, LTE or 5G. To me, I think it's just a no-brainer for the Nintendo Switch to enter into a partnership i think i brought up t-mobile the last time i i I had talked about this which is creating the nintendo switch as 5g optional um it's just the evolutionary next step for the nintendo switch is to have access to multiplayer and be able to play online at any point in time um you know I, i had also talked about the possibility of them adding an outer camera in order to have ar experiences so for example you know you combine those two things now you have you know pokemon go coming to nintendo switch for example you know things like that these ar experiences that people are used to on cell phones and be able to elevate them on the nintendo switch in terms of nintendo switch being you know 4k high definition graphics for example i just don't think that's where nintendo's head is at i think if it's 4k it would it would not be, you know, I don't think we're thinking native 4K, for example. Uh, I, I just don't think that's something Nintendo is very much interested in. Um, and I think the market for that is still, yeah, I, I just don't think that there's many, many people out there. I think if you were to give Switch fans a sheet and ask them to check off what's more important, they would probably prefer a better screen, better battery life. I don't think 4K high definition is just something that Switch owners are really thinking about. Um, you know, for me personally, whenever I use a Nintendo Switch, I usually use a handheld mode more than TV mode. And from my personal experience, speaking with people that own Nintendo Switch, is it's overwhelming in terms of people that use the system in handheld mode versus tv mode and i think that's just gonna kind of continue going forward um you know from now on and uh, i think that's really where nintendo needs to continue going it's something that i've spoke about for for a little while which is that when it comes to nintendo switch i think that nintendo has found 
it. I think they found what they should consider their final console, you know? Um, I know that in gaming, we're so used to console cycles. We're so used to, you know, seven, eight years until the next generation system is put out there and then, you know, introduces a couple of new things. It's a, couple, it's a little bit more high definition. But I think with Nintendo and Nintendo Switch, I think it's like, you know, Apple finding the iPhone where it's like, you know, you had the basics down of what you want out of your device software working together with hardware, uh, touchscreen taking over the entire body of the hardware, for example. And then all you're doing is just improving on that concept. And I think that's where Nintendo needs to go. I, I just don't ever foresee a future where Nintendo will ever have a console that just sits at home you know, something similar to what we've seen with, you know, GameCube, Wii, Wii U, for example. Um, the Nintendo Switch is their final console, and their responsibility now is just every few years just adding upgrades here and there while trying to maintain backwards compatibility and working on marketing in terms of, you know, what they did with 3DS, with new Nintendo 3DS um and marketing in terms of letting consumers know that, hey, this particular game can only work if you have the latest model of Nintendo Switch, for example. I really think that's where they need to go. And like I've said it once, I'll say it again. Nintendo needs to find a strong partner when it comes to streaming. And whether that is partnering with NVIDIA with GeForce Now, you know, obviously NVIDIA has been a very, very strong partner for Nintendo in terms of the Switch architecture, in terms of that hardware that it runs on. Um, so I feel like that would be a really good fit to have GeForce Now running on Nintendo Switch. I think it's just something that is imperative for Nintendo to move forward with their console. I think they've understood that they make for a really, really great secondary console. And, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about that future of a Nintendo Switch that has 5G and you add GE Force Now on there and you're able to stream, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 anywhere in the world, you realize just how much more appealing a Nintendo Switch becomes because now you ju you, you're not limited to just the market of people that love Nintendo games because that's really the market for Nintendo Switch. You know, you're really buying a Nintendo Switch because you love mario zelda animal crossing splatoon you love that first party nintendo software that you can only get on the switch no one buys a nintendo switch saying i'm looking forward to playing nba 2k 21 wherever i go like that's just kind of extra you know <laughs> like literally that's really what it is and um you know you you start to kind of reach out into a a demographic that you've never really been able to reach out to because of how weak third-party support is for Nintendo Switch. And it's about to get so much worse. You know, we hear you, you you've already seen um so many companies that refused, you know, I mean Switch hasn't had a single Call of Duty, it hasn't had a single modern Assassin's Creed, it hasn't had any of these big third party. I mean, you look at even something like Marvel's Avengers, which is a really big title coming out next week, nowhere to be seen on Nintendo Switch. And, you know, you begin to open those doors to the possibility of people being able to stream uh, that type of software everywhere they go. And, um, you know, mobile streaming is only going to get bigger as the years go on. And even if they're going partner, to partner with Microsoft and getting, uh, you know, xCloud on there, you know, at the very least partner with NVIDIA is just something that to me is just, it's just a, a need. Like, I think it's something more that Nintendo should be going to those companies rather than the other way around. Because third-party support for them is just going to get so awful <laughs> for the next few years. Because you think about what these new systems are capable of. And the fact that Nintendo will not be able to catch up to what these two systems are doing for a very long time. So I think it's just imperative for them uh, to go out and, and uh, 
and do that. So yeah, you know, that, that, that's kind of what I'm thinking just, you know, to recap, I just don't ever foresee Nintendo, Nintendo, um, being happy with three completely different switch models on the on store shelves at the same exact time. I do think that the, the right play is to have an upgraded model go kind of the cell phone route in a sense where, you know, when that new iPhone 11 comes out, you start to phase out that iPhone 10, you know, and kind of start going down that path, I think is really the right way to go for Nintendo. Uh, and now to move on to Gamescom 2020 opening night live. Um, this took place last week and, and over the weekend, there was Gamescom 2020 and uh, Jeff Kelly put, put together opening night live. Um, which was very, very interesting. I thought it was, it was really well done. You know, he kind of had this uh, platform, this stage where it was kind of all screens, stand on a screen. It really reminded me of uh, uh, Patriot Act on, on Netflix in terms of the way that everything was presented. I thought it was really cool the way he put together that stage. I know that he had talked about that. Game Awards will still be having at the end of the year. So I almost looked at it as a little bit of a sneak peek to what the Game Awards might be like, which is something similar to that. Um, but for this Gamescom 2020 in its opening light live, this was kind of the last event for Summer Game Fest. And uh, so we're going to go through everything that was talked about. And then the end, I, I just want to talk about quickly about summer game fest and everything that we experienced this year compared to last year what we what we were used to uh with e3 so it opened with a new trailer and gameplay for scarlet nexus now ever since uh scarlet nexus was first shown i think it was at one of the xbox shows this summer that was first shown um trailer this was the first time that we were able to actually see gameplay uh they released i think it was like a three minute gameplay of Scarlet Nexus. And I will say to me, I found it very underwhelming. I, I was a little bit surprised by how many people were, uh, you know, I was kind of looking in comments and on Twitter and people were like, Oh man, this looks so, so, so cool. This looks great. And I'm just like, man, are we seeing, <laughs> are we looking at the same game? And it sort of made me feel like, um, it made me feel like it, it's, it's people like, projecting like i want to be excited for next generation so i think that they look at a game like this and like man this looks so great but to me it's like why why can't i play this on xbox one you know it's not really a next generation game for me and it it, it just it, it looked like something where part of me was tempering my my expectations and tempering my opinion on it because i felt like you know it looks really early uh, but it just didn't really look very, very fun to me. Like it, it, the, the gameplay was showcased as showing kind of these mini bosses. And I was like, yeah, well, it looks kind of cool. There wasn't anything that screamed, man, I I, I, I got to get this. You know, I, I didn't get that same feeling that I got from something like Astral Chain, which, you know, this game uh, to me kind of reminded me of that. It, it reminded me of, of a platinum game. Um but I'm still looking forward to seeing more. I still want to see more of this game. But from what I saw for the first time seeing gameplay, I kind of felt like, yeah, maybe you guys should have waited a little bit longer to show gameplay and and, and put together a little bit of a stronger showcase uh, in terms of trying to sell me this game and what it's supposed to be. That was followed up by uh, a look at the Doom Eternal expansion, The Ancient Ones Part 1, which is out on October 20th. And then a reminder, which I, I wish more companies did this, which is that this expansion can be played standalone. You do not need Doom Eternal uh, to play this. So I thought that was pretty cool. Then for whatever reason, Doc Brown uh, from Back to the Future came on screen and i got a little happy i was like oh man like is there something happening with back to the future i know that we had the back to the future adventure games uh but no doc you know that whatever company creates this video game decided to pay doc brown uh to come out to announce surgeon simulator 2 which it just made zero sense <laughs> to me i kind of said i was like they really got this uh 
I, for whatever reason, I can't remember this actor's name. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, uh, I, I, I want to say. I feel like that is correct. Um, they paid this man to come on screen and dress up as Doc Brown in order to announce Surgeon Simulator 2. So to me, I just sat, I remember watching as I was sitting there, I was like, this just doesn't make any sense. Like, how do the two connect? How do the two make sense in terms of uh, paying for this man to be on here? Just kind of didn't make any sense to me. Um, Then some, they had a video showing Bioware employees speaking about the next Dragon Age um, and over concept art and early footage and things like that uh, i i've personally have never been a dragon age fan actually i've actually never even played a dragon age not that the games look bad but you know for whatever reason they just didn't really grab me i never really got around to playing a dragon age not really there's really no particular reason as to why i i i never got into it but i i will say if i was a Dragon Age fan, I would not be happy. <laughs> I would not be happy in terms of how EA is messaging this game. It's it's just so weird. They announced this game being first. The game being development was leaked, uh, and then they confirmed that that a new Dragon Age game is in development. But it's just so weird to me that EA and Bioware feel the need to talk so much about this game. And I sort of feel like with the fact that Bioware's last two projects have been just these monumental flops and it's Bioware as a company has become almost like this case, this case study, you know, a documentary needs to be made as to how a, a company like Bioware can create something as iconic as Mass Effect. And then, their last two games being Andromeda and Anthem just be these completely uh, monumental, huge flops that just fall flat on their faces. And um, I feel like if I was EA and, and even the leadership at Bioware, after what happened with those last two games, I think the only thing that I would want to do right now is put my head down, keep working, uh, you know, maybe maybe do a blog, kind of, you know, keeping Dragon Age fans in the loop in terms of letting them know, like, look, the game is still being worked on. You know, we want you to know that that it's going well or just kind of letting it be known, like, look, we're going to work now. So we're not going to be able to talk about this game for a few years. You know, the fact that EA showed a little bit of Dragon Age uh at ea play like very quick like five seconds conceptual you know next gen targeted video and they sort of did the same here where they showed just super duper early like no reason why anyone should ever see this type of uh look i don't understand why ea has now become you know very open with being transparent in terms of what games look like before gamers actually get them into their hands um i think dragon age fans from what i was able to read up on it looks like they were excited in terms of story it seems like a lot of people are excited in terms of the direction that they're going i just don't see the reason why anything like this needs to exist like it's very obvious that this game you're probably not going to get it to like 2023 or something like that is kind of how it feels at this point, like 2022, late 2022, but probably like late 2023 is probably what you're looking forward to with this game. And I can't even imagine the amount of pressure that Bioware is under, especially after what happened with Anthem and probably the amount of pressure that they're getting from EA in order to make sure that this game is um, going to be a, a critical and commercial success. I just don't understand why you would put out something like this. Um, because if the goal is to tell people like, hey, just, you know, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like, we understand that, you know, the last two games that had our company's name under it 
did not do very well. And I, I don't know, like, do they feel the need like they have to talk about this game? They have to show concept art in order to, you know, calm down the fans and let them know, like, look, I know that we've the last two releases were kind of bad, but let me put these videos out to reassure you that it's going to be good. I feel like because of what happened, you're better off head down, get to work. And then when you finally are ready to show the game, then you just kind of blow the doors off the room. I, I think that's really the way to go about it um, more than anything. So I'm just kind of surprised as to why they keep talking about this game. Um, there was a teaser for a new Sam and Max game. And then probably, <laughs> in my opinion, like the worst part of this entire show was there was a World of Warcraft Shadowlands video showed. And look, I'm not a World of Warcraft fan, so maybe that's kind of why I felt that's this way. But I feel like unless you're part of that very, very core World of Warcraft, I'm getting this day one. I'm really into this the story and the lore. I can't imagine you sitting down through what I sat down through and not thinking the same thing, which is why am I seeing this? It, it To me, it was like a complete showstopper because the cinematic was, had to be like 10 minutes. It felt, I think it was around seven minutes, but it felt like 15, 20 minutes to, to, to sit through it. It was just grueling. It was like, it was, it was torture. It was insane that, uh, Jeff Keeley and whoever else is on the team that runs this show said, yeah, we'll let you show a seven minute cinematic. Like if I'm running that show, I'm doing I'm I'm, I'm telling uh, Blizzard, hey, you know what? You can show the first three minutes and then end it by telling people, hey, you want to see the rest? Go to our YouTube, for example. Like I'm not letting you show a seven minute <laughs> cinema. And it wasn't even cinematic. It was like comic book paints, you know, art kind of art style. And look, for what it was, I thought it was cool, but you really have to be into World of Warcraft. And to me, it's like, I'm not, I'm not speaking, you know, it could, it could have been the same thing, but cyberpunk, you know, which is a game that I'm really excited for. And that same exact style. And I still would have sat there and said, why am I watching this for seven, eight minutes? This kind of doesn't, really make any sense then as has become tradition with summer game fest there was more news about crash 4 to me personally i'm like you know i'm i'm, I'm tired of hearing updates about this game it comes out in october we're about to get it I, I just don't see a reason why um we should dedicate more time to to, to crash 4 look the game looks great it's going to sell great um i just don't really need to see it anymore you you've convinced me and i'm sure you've convinced many other people um then one of uh, my personal highlights from the show they showed off a little bit more from little nightmares 2 which i think looks amazing that's out on february 11th for current gen consoles and they confirmed it was coming to ps5 and xbox series x at a later date but they didn't say exactly when that was but man this game just looks amazing i love this type of atmosphere definitely reminded me of Inside. Um, so it's definitely something I'm looking forward to. There was a new look at Star Wars Squadrons coming October 2nd. Uh, a Star Wars expansion coming to Sims 4 uh, September 8th for whoever is still playing that. Uh, another That was promptly followed by yet another uh, addition to Gamescom opening night live that I kind of said this is something that... If I'm running the show, I'm probably saying no thanks to, which was uh, another story trailer from Mafia Definitive Edition. You know, it's just something I feel like it's kind of unnecessary for this type of show. I think it would have, you know, made the runtime a lot tighter to not have something like this. You know, the game comes out um, next month. I just kind of don't didn't really see in the, in the reason for printing another story trailer. Um Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, uh, a new trailer was shown for that, and they confirmed that it was delayed. It has been delayed to spring 2021. Fall Guys Season 2, we were given a sneak peek. Um, I think they're, they're adding, they, they, they showed a, a couple of new levels that people can partake in. It seems to have some sort of like a medieval theme. Um, 
Now, Fall Guys has been doing, you know, absolutely amazing. It was announced as the most downloaded PlayStation Plus title of all time. I think they've already sold, you know, I think they're about to hit 10 million on uh, Steam. Uh, so this has definitely been the, the, the almost like the zero to hero story of the year in, in, in video games. Uh, and, and I feel like it, it couldn't have come at a better time, a game like Fall Guys, where we're sitting here and talking about the next generation, and here comes this indie title with a bunch of beans, uh, a beans battle royale, and it's just completely taken over the conversation for the, for the last month, pretty much. And um, definitely congratulations to that team at Mediatonic, but at the same time, I almost feel a little bit bad for them because... We're kind of still in this climate in video games right now, and I've, I've called this the Fortnite curse in the past, where I, I wonder what that team is going through right now, because I'm sure they're feeling this immense pressure right now, where it's like, right now their foot is on the gas, and you literally cannot lift your foot off of that pedal uh, because everything is just going to come crashing down. And right now, a lot of the attention that they're getting is because it is the flavor of the month. It's what every Twitch streamer is playing right now. So it'll be interesting to, to, to see how long they can sustain these sales. Um, so I, I'm kind of hoping that that exclusivity deal that they made with Sony is not super duper long. Usually those deals are, are six months to, to a year is usually the minimum. Uh, because this game really needs to start stretching and it needs to come to Xbox and needs to come to Switch and needs to start having crossplay in order for them to continue growing that brand and in order for them to keep people invested and keep them playing because the only way that this game is going to continue surviving is if people keep playing it. So hopefully they're able to keep that up. Uh, there was a new look at 12 Minutes, which is a game that I'm definitely looking forward to. Um... And they announced that they're going to have an all-star voice cast with Daisy Ridley, James McAvoy, and Willem Dafoe, which sounds pretty good. Uh, There's also a new look at Medal of Honor Above and Beyond, a new look at Destiny 2 Beyond Light, uh, which is coming to Xbox Game Pass. It's another addition to that value. Um, and then it ended with Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart gameplay. And um, you know, I've been saying this since we first saw Ratchet and Clank, which I think Ratchet and Clank so far in terms of seeing actual gameplay not you know what we've been seeing from a lot of xbox which is you know targeted gameplay like this is what it should look like on xbox but it's actually running on a pc this is in terms of native natively running on a next generation console captured on a next generation console this is the biggest example of what next generation is going to be and feel like and um it was cool to see. It was a little bit weird because it was uh, the vertical slice that we saw was just an extension of what we saw from the game when we first saw it uh, a few months ago. But obviously, it looks way more polished. You, just, you can definitely see the improvement from this demo and what we saw in June, I think it was, that we had the Sony event. Uh, it looks better. And like I said, this is just the best example of you know, not even the best. I feel like this is the only example of gameplay that has been showed by any company from PS5 to Xbox Series X where you look at it and you say, this game would be impossible on PlayStation 4. And I feel like the closest thing will probably be the medium on Xbox Series X. That's the game that you look at and you say, this would be impossible uh, on Xbox One, for example. And... Uh, I mean, look, the, the game just looks amazing. You know, I, I, I'm definitely a Ratchet and Clank fan, but I feel like you don't have to be a fan to look at that game. And even apart from the mechanic of, you know, pulling yourself into the rift and it being instant, for example, I think just the general gameplay and seeing how much is happening on screen at once and that frame didn't hiccup for a second during that entire gameplay demo and to see that it's running on alpha and, and to find out that you know they're gonna have a performance versus visual mode so you'll be able to play the game at 60 frames per second um it's just exciting this is really exciting uh to look at and it just shows what playstation has been doing that unfortunately just xbox has not been able to do which is 
just show gameplay, you know, just show consumers, uh, hey, this is why you need to buy this box, you know, because we're going to give you these games that are just not capable uh, currently on the, the, the console that you own and you have in your house right now. It's just something that Microsoft has not been able to do yet. And it just shows, I love watching uh, console fans defend their platforms or feel the need to defend their platform. Because this is like one of those things, where, look, I, I hate stands. I, I do not like PlayStation stands. I hate Xbox stands, Nintendo stands. I just don't like it. You know, if, if you love a platform for whatever reasons, that's cool. But people that go on Twitter and, you know, berate other people for just liking one platform over over the other, I just kind of don't, I, d I don't get it. I don't understand why people do it. Um, this is kind of one of those ones where when this gameplay hit, I was like, yeah, Microsoft fans, if, if you're like a stan of Microsoft just just stop talking right now because it's like you you, you know Microsoft has literally not even shown uh gameplay from anything you know I mean it's it's kind of sad to see because micro Microsoft is like the the Xbox Series X to me in terms of their marketing plan has almost like been like this two-phase which is we're telling you it's the world's most powerful console, but we're also not really showing you anything that's running on this console. And I love what Sony's been able to do, which is putting this utmost confidence into these amazing teams that they've been able to build and acquire over the last five, six, seven years, and just kind of shutting up. You know, PlayStation doesn't have to come forward and say, hey, we're the world's most powerful console. They don't have to come forward and talk about teraflops and this, that, and third. They're just saying, well, just, you know, just look at the games and, and let me know what you think. And so far from what we've seen from every game that's been shown on PlayStation and captured and shown on PlayStation, and that Unrolled demo definitely helped out, the, helped the argument, uh, helped, helped tip it in Sony's favor, is that Sony's saying is look at what our system is capable of. I don't have to say anything. I'll just show you. Um, and I think it just shows the difference between these two. Um, so I, 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 I want to wrap this show up. As I said, there really wasn't much to talk about, um, news wise from last week, but, uh, I wanted to wrap it up on two things. Number one, after Gamescom, I started to reflecting, I started reflecting on summer game fest. And I started reflecting on what we went through in terms of information as gamers this year versus any other typical year of E3. And I will say 100% I miss E3. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think for a few reasons. I think, number one, I, I, I love the fact that um, we had all these companies coming together. And, and every single day for a week, we just had so much to talk about and, and share about. And so much to get excited for for these different platforms and different developers and publishers. And now with it being stretched out over a few months, I just felt that hyper-focus didn't really happen and a lot of things slipped through the cracks. Um, and I think the other issue was having these companies kind of all having their own individual shows. Uh, you know, I think a lot of news and information just didn't really get across to consumers. And I think the biggest thing that I missed from having a a regular E3 was that we weren't on the world stage. I think when it comes to gaming, we need our E3. You know, you, you have, when it comes to tech companies, they have like their CES, you know, it's sometimes you need those events in order to hit mainstream media, you know, comic books need Comic-Con, you need San Diego Comic-Con, you need those big announcements and those set pieces in order to transcend, transcend and really break through the general media and really put our uh, our culture on the world stage, I think is something that I really missed. And last but not least, um, to end the show, I just wanted to, to talk about something that I've been feeling for a while, but I really felt this way after Gamescom and just as, especially after this month, which was why do we need 
next generation this year i think it's it's something i've been mulling about in my head for a few months i started asking a few friends i was like are you buying you know any of these consoles and you know there's just there just seems to be no excitement there just just seems to be zero excitement around both of these launches this year and i think it's you know obviously it's a it's a lot because the launch for both of these consoles are still kind of in the shadows. We don't know the date. We don't know the prices. Um, and I think the most important thing is we do not know launch lineup. You know, this holiday, we lost two big games. We have, uh, we lost Halo Infinite to 2021. We lost Death Loop, which, which was going to be a big PlayStation exclusive coming out this year. And then everything else about these releases has just been so nebulous. You know, we find out that Ratchet and Clank's release date is launch window, which usually in company speak, that means like six months um, after release. And I think Ratchet and Clank should not come out this year. If I'm Sony, even if it's ready, especially if you're banking on the Spider-Man game being ready this holiday, I think Ratchet and Clank makes an amazing march title you know and then kind of keep that strength going for horizon coming out at the end of 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 next year for example um but last week the 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 rumors got even stronger that microsoft is planning to launch first week of november sony is following right after we are definitely expecting both of these companies to announce all details this month sony opened up kind of a pre-order list on their website where you needed to go in with your PlayStation ID in order to possibly get a chance to purchase a PlayStation 5. Um, but I think that I, I've kind of been thinking about this. I'm like, man, like, I don't... I, I, even if I pick either of these consoles up this holiday, it's more so because I'm a gamer, you know, because I'm so you know, into this medium, into this culture. That's really the only reasons why I'm getting either of these consoles or both of these consoles. If it wasn't for that, I just really do not see a reason to get either of these systems. And I think definitely COVID-19 had a major impact in that. But I think it's a few things. You know, neither system really has, to me, a must-have console launch exclusive you know the strongest argument i guess could be made with playstation and godfall and that's if that game doesn't get delayed you know i feel like there's something about godfall that i could definitely see it being delayed out of that launch window or that launch for playstation and honestly i've been saying this for a while that game just looks downright boring you know we're not 100 percent sure spider-man is actually launching with the PlayStation, you know, it's, it's not really confirmed at launch. And with um, Microsoft, their strongest exclusive title will be the Medium. You know, they are launching with exclusivity, next-gen exclusivity when it comes to Yakuza Like a Dragon, but that's not really something I would consider a system seller, especially because it's coming out on current-generation consoles. Um, and then, you know, we hear about these rumors of these, these systems going for upwards of $600, and it's like you know why like <laughs> why is anyone going to spend six hundred dollars on any either of these consoles there's just really no reason and you know even as great as spider-man miles morales looks you know is that really a strength a, a strong reason to get this console at launch for six hundred dollars and i think um it's just going to be a very very interesting holiday season where Part of me really wishes that Microsoft and Sony would have gotten into a room and said, hey, do you want to come to an agreement where we both launch our consoles next year? Um, rather than trying to get into this race to beat each other to, to, to market, I think it just would have been better for gaming in general uh, to delay next generation to early next year especially with COVID-19, especially with probably the amount of pressure that's being put on a lot of these developers to hit these target dates for the end of the year. Um, I sort of wish that both of the systems would have just been delayed into early next year. I think everyone would have been okay with, with that kind of happening instead of it coming out this year, especially with the amount of delays that we've been seeing. Um, 
But I think I think this next generation is just going to be so interesting because I feel like we've never been here before. I feel like we've never hit a point in gaming where we're seeing three companies do something completely different um, for each one. You know, Nintendo's kind of just doing, you know, they've always kind of gone their own way. They're doing whatever they want. And then we see Microsoft and Sony, I feel like, almost for the first time also going into completely different directions where Microsoft is saying, I really don't care uh, where you access our games because Microsoft is their end goal. Their finish line is that I can convert you to streaming your games rather than buying a box and buying games individually uh, or buying anything physical anymore. And then you have PlayStation that, understands that that's where we're going but they're saying we're not there yet and sony is so intent on no i want you to buy my box and only my box i want you to buy a playstation 5 and only a playstation 5 which is why it seems that they're going so hard and spending so much money on getting exclusivity from all these different companies whereas microsoft is just okay with losing money that's really where their investment is going into and it just shows like this approach of quality versus quantity where PlayStation, I think, is really going for those quality games with Horizon Zero Dawn 2, for example, Spider-Man, Ratchet and Clank, uh, the prospect of, of a God of War 2, whatever Naughty Dog has coming out. Um, and then you have Microsoft where they're just like, look, give us $15 a month and you have access to 100 games. I mean, last, just just this month in August, there was like, think eight to ten games that they released that were day one on game pass and as i spoke about earlier in the show to see something like destiny 2 beyond light coming uh to game pass is just you know it's amazing it's really is quantity versus quality and i think what's interesting about these two um approaches is that both of them are right and neither of them are wrong. I think they're right for their individual companies. And I don't look at the approaches of either of these companies and say, man, you, they're doing everything wrong. You know, I don't think Microsoft is doing everything wrong. And I don't think Sony is doing everything right at the same time. And it's just interesting to think that the last time we saw a $600 console was PlayStation 3. And um, I can't. You know, I've been saying on the show for so long that I can't imagine either of these systems being five, being a, a penny over five hundred. But as soon as Sony announced that digital edition, it kind of made me change my mind because for the first time I thought about if Sony is having this ready at launch, does that could we really be seeing a digital edition going for five hundred and then a PlayStation Five going for six hundred? Because then that puts the Xbox at a much better position in terms of taking a little bit more of that market share away from sony you know sony took the market share of this generation they just kind of ran with it and when you start thinking about xbox's strategy of launching x cloud next month the strategy of um continuing to manufacture and, and focus on xbox one s the thought process of announcing an xbox series s which i think is a good approach which would allow them to have a 400 dollars system at launch then you take all of that and you add it to the fact that microsoft is going to continue expanding their xbox all access program which right now for example you can get an xbox one x with 24 months of game pass ultimate for 25 dollars a month I think you get an Xbox One S with 24 months of Game Pass. I think it's for like $22 a month. So once you start to imagine that Microsoft at launch for this generation can put out marketing that says, hey, own the next generation console Xbox Series S for $25 a month and you get Game Pass, which gives you access to hundreds of games a month and say... Next year, you're going to have access to Halo Day 1. Or Xbox Series X, $30, $40 a month. And you'll be able to get this system without having to drop $500, $600 at a time. You know, 
um, you know, the unemployment rate in the United States alone was 11% as of June, which is an astronomical number. It's the highest it's ever been in the last 70 years, 11%. And um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's going to change much from now up until the holiday. You know, we're about to hit flu season and there's no argument in sight that the United States is is in the worst position <laughs> of this pandemic of, of any country in the world. And I hate to chuckle at that fact, but honestly, as an American, I've the only way I've been able to get through what's happening is is kind of to laugh, to stop myself from crying. And it's interesting going to the next generation, especially here in this country, the United States of America, where we're really going to the prospect of talking about um, our economy being at as one of the worst periods has been in this lifetime, unemployment being at one of the worst periods has been in American lifetime. And we have these two companies that are about to run commercials for potentially uh, $600 pieces of hardware. And um, I think it's just going to be such an interesting um, six months to the next year for both of these companies because I can definitely see Microsoft taking more share. And at the same time, because of what's happening right now, um, just looking good compared to a five $600 system, which I think that gamers are going to really latch on to. But what about all these gamers that have just started gaming this year because of what's happening with COVID-19? I can see a lot of them looking at what Microsoft is doing as just a lot more appealing. So I don't know. I, I, I just kind of wanted to put that out there. I just, I just think it's very, very interesting what we're getting into for the next few months because this is probably the first generation where it's like I'm sort of excited, but I'm not looking forward to paying five or six hundred dollars for any of these systems like i was joking with a friend of mine i texted him and i was like it looks like my xbox series x i'm gonna pick it up and my launch title is gonna be cyberpunk 2077 because i kind of don't see anything else that i'm really excited about i mean i'm a game pass ultimate member i really hope to be able to play the medium this year that's definitely like that's probably the game that i'm most excited for because it does have this date to it i've seen it um I'm hoping that there's a reason why we have not seen Spider-Man Miles Morales. Very interesting that Activision is creating that and Ratchet and Clank, but we've seen more of Ratchet and Clank, which we know is not coming out until next year, than we've seen of Spider-Man. And I don't think that that means that Spider-Man is in trouble. I think that that just means that PlayStation is holding off because um, there's only two reasons why we haven't seen Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, number one is because the game has been delayed, but I think the stronger reason is that Sony wants to make a strong argument for you buying their system at launch. And I think actually the fact that we haven't seen Spider-Man Miles Morales, I think is the needle leads leans more towards that being a solidified launch title for Sony. And I think that they made that decision already and they said since we're launching with this why am i going to show you the game now i might as well show you the game in september when i'm ready to tell you the price when i'm ready to tell you the date that the system is coming out so that i can show you day one this is what you'll be able to play and it's unfortunate that microsoft just kind of can't match that because they really haven't been able to show anything at all so it's, it's just going to be a very interesting uh, next few months for video games. Uh, hot releases for the week, September 1st. We have Ari and the Secret of Seasons, PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Super Bomberman R for Stadia. September 3rd, Spellbreak, PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Very interesting. That game is launched with cross-play, cross-progression, and it is free to play. So it'll be interesting to see how that game does 
uh, amongst all the other battle royales. We have Spinch coming as PC and Switch. September 4th is a big day. We have NBA 2K21, PC, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and Stadia. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, PC, PS4, and Xbox One. And then Marvel's Avengers coming PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Now time to wrap it up. All the stories we didn't have time to get to. Ubisoft announced it will remove raised fist imagery from the opening cinematic of his new mobile game, Tom Clancy's Elite Squad. Uh, following widespread criticism that the game's intro plays on right-wing conspiracies about the Black Lives Matter movement. If there's one thing in life I do not like is when people think I'm stupid. When people say things and they do things hoping that they can get one over on me and I will agree. And if you're one of those people that saw this imagery and uh, excuse me, saw this announcement and said to yourself, wow, this is great. Ubisoft is listening. Um Hundred percent, you're wrong. Uh, Ubisoft thinks you're stupid. Uh, there, there's no way that someone within that company did not see this and kind of raise their hand and say, "Doesn't this look really weird because of what's happening this year?" I guarantee you that 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 came up at a meeting. Those leaders said, "No, we're going to ship the game like this." If people complain, it becomes a big deal. We'll just remove that fist and that logo, and then everyone will be happy. So it's obvious what they did. But to tell you the truth, I mean, who cares? This is for their super whack mobile game that they put Sam Fisher in. Uh, honestly, this is being made a big deal for a game that's probably not even going to do that well. Netflix confirmed the existence of a Resident Evil show by tweeting the following synopsis. When the Wesker kids move to New Raccoon City, the secrets they uncover might just be the end of everything. Resident Evil, a new live-action series based on Capcom's legendary survival horror franchise, is coming to Netflix. Uh, my excitement for this, based upon just that synopsis, is a big, fat zero. <laughs> um, I was not a fan of the Resident Evil films. I think Resident Evil works better as a show, actually. But that synopsis, to me, does not excite me at all. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see until we actually uh, hear about it. Uh, last but not least, Activision announced Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War releases November 13th. Along with confirming next-gen prices will be $70, they also announced Sony has a current-gen to next-gen physical upgrade exclusivity. So two things. Number one, never let a company try to convince you that they're raising games to $70 because it's time. <laughs> um, companies are raising games to $70 now because they can. That's literally it. It's not because they have to. I understand that people talk about, oh, but what about the cost of next generation? While that's true, the cost of creating games has gone up, but so has spending. So has downloadable content. We're about to hit a revolution where more digital games are being sold compared to physical. Um, and then that doesn't leave out the fact that PC... It, the PC version of Black Ops is still actually $60, right? So they're, they're, they're selling it to, to you at $70 because they can. That's really it. Uh, and then second, the fact that Sony and Activision struck a deal so that if you buy the Xbox One version of this game, you are not allowed to upgrade to the Series X. If you bought the PS4 version, you can upgrade to the PS5 version for an extra 10 bucks. I tweeted about this, I think, yesterday. This is probably the pettiest exclusivity <laughs> that I've ever seen a company pick up. And if Sony is willing to pay for something like this, um, man, I I am not looking forward to the next year because this is proof that Sony is going to be absolutely relentless when it comes to next-gen exclusivity for their system. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see what that looks like. Uh, speaking of Call of Duty, shout out to the Dallas Empire for taking home the first ever Call of Duty League championship yesterday. And uh, of course, I can't let this show go by without giving a quick shout out and rest in power to Mr. Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther himself, who we learned uh, passed away from cancer last week. Um, and that's it. That's uh all for this week's show thank you so much for joining me please follow us on twitter and instagram at ken koji we're also on youtube ken koji for future updates once again i'm joel and i will see you all next week <laughs>